Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers on mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Reading for today is from Ruth chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, 17 to 23. At the end of the reading, I would say, this is the word of the Lord. Please respond with thanks be to God. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered the field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an effort. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she added. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guiding redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Father, we thank you for all you do. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. Lord, we thank you for constantly sending your word. Lord, we are grateful. Father, many of us, our lives are like um, Ruth chapter one. It's one problem after another. It's one struggle after another. It's one trouble after another. But Lord, we thank you. For some of us, our lives are in like Ruth chapter 2 and we are at the threshold of a breakthrough. For those also, Lord, we thank you. For some of us, we are in Ruth chapter 3 and it's like we are hustling to just make sure we get what we really need. For all those people, we also say, thank you, Jesus. For some of us, we are in Ruth chapter 4 and victory is ours. But Lord, many times we keep on oscillating between Ruth chapter 4, Ruth chapter 1, Read chapter 2, read chapter 3, Lord Jesus, but we have this confidence that we've read the end of the book and Lord, all things are working together for our good because we love you and we've been called according to your purpose. Lord, we thank you. But Lord Jesus, until the end comes, while we wait in the in-between, we ask that as this word we go forth, it will go forth to encourage in the name of Jesus. It will go forth to strengthen in the name of Jesus. It will go forth to convict in the name of Jesus. 
Lord Jesus, we take control of the atmosphere. We ask the Holy Ghost that you, Lord, will permit this place right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask that every stony heart be broken, every heart that is like those of the wayside be converted to fertile ground in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for we have this confidence that you've not called Israel to call upon your name in vain, that whatever we ask, we shall receive. We are grateful to you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen, amen. Are you happy to be in church? All right. You don't sound so happy. Are you happy to be in church? Yeah, that's more like it. That's more like it. All right. Um, the title of my sermon, just going, I'm just going straight forward, is There is More to This. Is that, is that projected? All right. That's not there. All right. There is more to this. It's there now. Thank you. There's more to this. There's more to this. Say it after me. There is more to this. You see, um, growing up, um, there are certain things they usually used to threaten us so that we would not misbehave. Right, so maybe if you had, when you remember when you were two or when you were three, what they usually used to warn you is Ojuju Calabar, right? I don't know if that was a Yoruba thing or maybe just a Nigerian thing, but the whole idea is this, that there's this monster that once you misbehave, the monster is going to come to get you, right? But it gets to a point as you grow older, your misbehaviors have weightier consequences, so they have to look for bigger things to scare you with, right? And I remember one time I was in um. This is a very interesting story. I was in, when, I, when I got to secondary school in GS1, um, yeah, there was this girl, right? The moment, the moment I saw her, I was gone. <laughs> like, you know why? You know why? You remember those girls? I don't know if you remember secondary school. Those girls, SS2, SS3, they are really, really cool. Like, they usually have this clean all back, or shuku, do you remember? Right? And then their clothes are usually well ironed. Then if your school was a school where they wear sandals, they usually wear double socks or triple socks. And that socks will be clean from morning till after prep. I never understood how they pulled it off. This girl was in GS1, but she was like that. Oh, God, she was amazing. My wife is watching. All right. None is as amazing as you are, babe, all right? <laughs> okay, so, um, so I saw her, and I was like, man, I, I have to talk. I mean, I'm a real guy. I have to talk to this babe. I don't know how. No, I have to talk to her. Right? So when class, I saw her, and I was like, ah, man, I have to talk to this babe. So she was, in, she was in front, right? I was at the back. I didn't go through the front. I went to the back. Let's just call her G, right? Let's call her G. So I went to the back, and I just tapped her. I was like, G. And she goes, why are you touching me? <laughs> I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. Yeah, I was, I was. But Yoruba people usually say, I'll say to Yoruba, and in apata, ake. Let me say that in English. The one that will take the awning that is inside the rock doesn't mind his axe getting blunt. So you know what? I tried again, right? Eventually, I got close to this babe. We started talking, and one day I asked her, I said, remember the first time we met? I said, why? Why did you clean my hand from your body? Like I was shit, eh? And she said, ah, my mommy said that if any boy touch me, I am going to what? Get pregnant. And I was like, what? What? So you see, again, there's a sense in which our mom was trying to prevent something. Because if a boy touched her inappropriately for, well, it can end badly, right? But they were giving her a particular threat, a particular warning to keep her from misbehavior. I had that kind of experience one time. A preacher came to our school and he made a statement. That statement has that stuck with me till today. He said, and I forget, that thing scared the hell out of me. He said, the graveyard 
is filled with unfulfilled destinies. I was like, hey. <laughs> to paraphrase, to rephrase a little bit, he said, the graveyard is filled with people that have missed opportunities. Right? And many of us, that's what we're probably scared of in this world. Many of us have missed opportunities. One of the saddest things that can happen to us is for us to get to heaven. And God will say, I had plans for you to get to this level, but you missed so many opportunities, you ended up here. It's sad. The question then is why? Why do we end up missing opportunities? I have an answer. Just one. I'm saying that the reason why we miss opportunities, the reason why many of us might have unfulfilled destinies is because we do not realize that there is more to the things that God brings our way. Let me say it to be this way. You know, one of the things that God does regularly is this. He usually, um, he covers the supernatural with the natural. He covers the extraordinary with the ordinary many times. Many times he's about to do something extraordinary, but he's trying to accomplish it through ordinary means. But you are there, all you can see is the ordinary. You cannot see that it's attached to an extraordinary thing behind it. And so then you do not realize that there is more to it. This is what Jesus, this is what God did in the incarnation. He covered the divine with humanity and put it in a manger. But Herod didn't realize that there was more to this person. He sought to kill what he was born to worship. There is more to this. Jesus, he began his ministry, he was going up and he got to a point. In Mark chapter 6, from verse 1 to 5, I'm just going to read it because it's very, very important. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Now, pay attention. Isn't, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So God incarnate, God himself, appeared to these people, but all they saw was a carpenter. They saw a man, but there was more to that man that was standing before them. And because of that, you better believe that some of them died in their sickness because they missed an opportunity. You better believe that some of them died in their sin because God himself was standing before them and they could not get beyond seeing that he was just a carpenter. But he was more. There is more to the people that we encounter. There is more to the people that we meet with. You see, many of us, this is very, very important. It's very, very tragic. Many of us are experiencing stagnation. Many of you are not where you are supposed to be because you are not realizing that opportunities have come to you. But there is more to them. You end up spending 40 years for a 40-day journey. Remember those people? The Israelites. They got to the threshold of victory. A scenario was presented before them. But all that they could see were giants. And they were like grasshoppers. But there was more to that scenario that God had brought before them. Because even though there was a scenario where there was a giant, but there was a God that eats giants for breakfast and that God was on their side. They didn't see any of those. All they saw was the giant, but there was more to that scenario. Or maybe for you, some of it is the gifts that you have. There is more to what God has given you. 
Matthew chapter 25, very, very popular parable. A, a rich man was traveling and he gave one of his servants five talents, right? Give another one two, do you remember? Give another one one. The one that had five doubled it, it became ten. The one that had two doubled it, it became four. The one that had one, what did he do? He buried it. All he saw was a man that was willing to reap where he was, where he was not willing to sow. Do you realize that that talent that he had, Given a little bit more time, a little bit more hard work, it could have been two, it could have been four, it could have been eight. But he buried it. Why? He couldn't see that there was more to what he had. Many of you, God has given you abilities, gifts for the church and for the world. But all I can do is just talk a little bit. Therefore, you went to bury it. All I can do is that I am good with mathematics. You went to bury it. But there is more to the gifts that God has given you. There is more to those things. There's a hymn that says, um, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Listen, we have needless pain because we pray. But many times you have needless pain because you've missed opportunities that God has brought before you. So we miss opportunities because we do not realize that there is more to the people that we encounter. We miss opportunities because we do not realize that there is more to the scenarios that we encounter. We miss opportunities because we do not realize that there is more to what God has given unto us. And this is what is going to happen in the, in the book of Ruth as well. This was happening in the book of Ruth. Now you see, you can. Oh, I have to use this. All right. It makes you feel more like a preacher. You know what I'm saying? All right, um, well. So this was happening in the book of Ruth, all right? Um, you can come, you can approach the book of Ruth through different angles, right? There's one angle I want to approach the book of Ruth through, right? And um, I really believe, when I read the book of Ruth, I really, I really believe this, all right? So don't laugh. Um, I feel like it sounds a lot like a romantic comedy. You know what I'm talking about? And I am, I am, I have become, sadly, some form of expert in it. You see, what happened was I got married. That was all that happened, right? So um, I'm a person that I love stories. I love, you know, give the twist, give me the suspense and stuff like that. And I meet my bride and I'm like, let's watch Netflix. She goes, all right. You know, I'm only telling her because I want to be nice. And I have the movie I want to watch, all right? But without fail, she will say, let's watch this romantic comedy. And I'm like, what? I'm like, why? I'm like, I'm like, you already know the end from the beginning. Why are you spending two hours watching this? And but problem is this, this was sad. This was sad. My wife is in the US now. And um, I find myself actually. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, you don't laugh at don't don't laugh, don't laugh. I find myself clicking romantic comedies. You know what's worse? You know what's worse? You know what's worse? This was worse. I find myself enjoying it. It's just, just... So I've become some kind of expert, right? In romantic comedies. Now, if you're familiar with romantic comedies, what happens is this. You have act one, scene one. 
Then they show a very, very, a girl like this. She's not so cool. Her room is tattered. She's not so fine. But you know that by the end of that movie, she will do makeup. She will be fine. You understand? So she's not so fine. She's a little bit clumsy. She's trying to wear her shoes. She's rushing down. Her mom is like, wouldn't you eat breakfast? It's always cereal. That breakfast is always cereal. That's, listen, that's rom-com 101, all right? So it's always cereal. She's going to rush it. And then she gets to school and some girls are laughing at her. And you're like, oh, man. It's just sad. This is, this is the uncool babe, right? But that's what is happening in Ruth chapter 1. You find Ruth lost her husband. Things are not going so well for her anymore. Right? She has attached her person to she has attached herself to a person who has no prospect, who seemingly has no future. That's Act 1, scene 1. Then we get to Act 1, scene 2. Go back to your rom-com. Then the scene opens, right? So imagine with me, alright? Let's just imagine together. So the camera will start from the foot of the bed, alright? So it begins to go up. You see white sheets. And then as shit is going up, you just see this guy that just sleeps and wake up and some. And we only eat him. Right? Because how do you sleep and wake up and some? Anyways, so, so he sleeps and he wakes up and some. Then he wakes up and you just see all the abs and he's just stepping down. And he's just cool. He's wearing his bag. His parents are like, when you eat breakfast, he goes for an apple instead. Why? Because he's just super cool. He gets the apple. And then he gets out. And then he meets his friends. Right? They are all inside one car. What kind of car? That car never has cover. You know the kind of cars? It's always. Always. Are you, are you taking notes? Are you taking notes? All right, good. Always. So you see, act one, scene one, the uncool babe. Act one, scene two, the really cool guy. Act one, scene one, you see root. Act one, scene two, root chapter two, verse one. What do you see? What do you see? See, boy, I said there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. Introduction. Immediately, you know that you see Boaz and Ruth are going to end up together, no matter what happens. Are you with me? You know, I'm not lying. You know, it's true. You know, it's true. When you read it, you knew that oh, this guy is going to marry this girl. And that's what it's going to happen. Rom com, that's what it is. And the writer. The writer of Ruth wants you to see this. He's intentional about it because as you read the story, you see, there was a relative of Naomi's husband. If you were steeped in Old Testament theology, the wheels of your mind already begin to turn. Why? They said he's a close relative of Naomi. That means he had the potential to be a kinsman redeemer. Now, if you're not familiar with what a kinsman redeemer is, all right, it is as it's pronounced. Redeemer. He redeems. He buys back. Right, so if you lose your land, the king's marriage is going to buy can buy it back for you. If you sell yourself to slavery because you owe somebody money, the king's marriage man can buy it back. If, God forbid, you die, right? The king's marriage man can marry your wife. He's not trying to be nasty. He's just all right. So calm down. Like, why is he taking my wife? No, no, no. Relax. He's trying to help you. <laughs> all right. So he marries the babe so that the babe can give birth to a son or any child. Well, a son preferably. In those days, all right, give her to his son so that the son can actually take care of the woman. So it was some form of a um, social justice project, right? And it was good at the time. But again, the writer intentionally wants you to see this. He wants you intentionally to see this because there's something profound here. No matter how rich Boaz was, he wasn't going to benefit Ruth if he wasn't a king's married him. Did you see that? Let me let me explain it a little bit better. You see. It doesn't matter how rich Dangote is. It cannot benefit you. You are not part of his dynasty. If you find out today that Dangote has become the richest man in the world, jump all you want. Mm? Get excited all you want. 
the money no go touch you. It is different to if you find out that your wife won one billion dollars. Who is catching that? No one. All right, my God. Missed opportunity. That's why it just goes. <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> it's different that if we find out that. <laughs> The, or the husband, first time he says the husband, or the husband wins one billion dollars, right? Or your daughter wins one billion dollars. Listen, you will, the way you will rejoice will be different right? because you know that money is part of it for me. It's for me. But isn't it the same way we come to God? Listen carefully, whatever God is, He is for you. Whatever God is, he is for you. Why? Because he's a God of love. Love compels all his attributes to constantly act outward. So if God is sovereign, he is sovereign for you. If God is healer, he is healer for you. If God is a provider, he's a provider for you. He lacks nothing. You are the one that lacks. He's a provider, not for himself, but for you. Amen. I was talking to a friend one time, and we were praying about um, one exam you had to write. And when we were done praying, um, he said, he said, I just really hope that God's sovereignty is for me. I said, God's sovereignty is always for you, brother. You are a believer. The love of God constantly directs the sun rays of God's sovereignty towards your life so that you can begin to flourish. Listen, God is for you in such a way that even the attributes of God that are supposed to work against you begin to work for you. The Bible says God is a God of justice. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What should happen to you is that you should pay for your sins and die. But God's love causes that same justice to work for you. In that because somebody has paid the price for your sins, you have no price to pay anymore. That's why the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, he says if we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and what? Just. The justice of God now begins to work for you because of the love that God has for you. Amen. Whatever God is, he is for who? For you. Say it again. Whatever God is, he is for me. He's for me. Amen. Back to rom-com. Act once in one, on cool girl. Act once in two, cool guy. Act once in three, you have the place where they meet. Because they have to encounter. Right? And Indian movies have perfected this one. Because, because, calm down, calm down, calm down. They perfected it. Why? Because um, they most likely will meet in school. The girl will be walking. She's looking down. And the guy is going to bash her books. And they'll go down. And the guy will just pick it. And they'll look at each other. <laughs> you know. You know. You know. You know. You know. But that is what you find in the book of Ruth. Right? Because in verse 2 it says, So Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him. In whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Right? So Boaz is there. We've, we've, we've got to the point where they are meeting. And in your mind, you already go, man, things is about to change for this babe. Right? This is the point where they actually meet. The story is about to change. So Boaz comes, right? Boaz is greeting everybody. Peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. And all the ladies are just like, oh, man, this guy has money and he's God-fearing. He's just perfect, right? Yes, he is. Right? So he's greeting everybody. Peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. And then he sees Ruth and he's like, <laughs> right? And he's like, ah. Call someone and says, who is the babe? That's the way I'm reading. I don't know how you're reading. That's the way I'm reading. Who is the babe? And they're like, ah, that's, that's Ruth. It's Naomi's um, daughter-in-law and stuff like that. All right. And it's like, well, he approaches her. Like a good man should. All right. So he approaches her. 
and he starts talking to her. He's being all nice. He's giving her bonuses. He's saying, drop the harvest down, let her pick it. He's doing all these things. And every Nigerian man knows, like, nobody say, we know what you are doing, boss. We know. We know. We know what you are doing. We know what you are doing. Because no man is nice for nice sake. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no, you know what, no, let me do it on a bit. 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 You see, when I, hold on, hold on. All right, calm down. Take your time. 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 This is, this is taking longer than I expected. I thought you were going to get over this on time to take it. All right. Let me tell you a story. When I met my wife, all right, we did talking stage for one month. One. Barry, I don't have time. Anyways, I was explain. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, you see, she had to do a surgery at the time. And um, that meant that she was going to stay in the hospital for a few more days and stuff like that. And then, um, your homie here, all right, I was a gunner. I had the exams that week. I went to borrow Toki's car. I was driving her around, buying stuff she needed for the surgery, for the hospital and stuff like that. When we sat down, I said, Bimi, I said, yes. I said, don't think I'm nice or I'm not nice. <laughs> I'm not. I said, all these things I'm doing, I like you. You understand? Don't get it twisted. I like you. Hey, don't say the thing the way it is. So you don't go and sue and that person come and rip behind. You understand? <laughs> hey, God. <laughs> you understand? You understand? We are still in church. We are still in church. I promise you I'm preaching the book of Ruth. I promise you. And so again, Boaz is doing all these things and you know in your heart, uh, you know, maybe the 21st century, maybe he's, you know, he's opening the G-Wagon for her and all those stuff. He's been all nice. Uh, yeah, we know what you're doing, Boaz. All right? And we're all happy because Boaz is a, is a, is a, is a he has game. He's playing the cards well. Right? And so the story continues, and we get to the point where Ruth gets home. And then Naomi sees what she brought. And Naomi says, In whose field have you gleaned today? Listen, it's not like, In whose field have you gleaned today? It's like, Based on what she brought back home. It's like, In whose field have you gleaned today? And um, you see, Ruth is about to respond in verse 19. You find out in verse 19. Sorry, let me just get that scripture. All right. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you walk? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. The Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been walking. Quote, the name of the man I walk with today is Boaz. God forbid. If I've spent that kind of money on you, if I've been nice like this, you better have a better description for me than just my name. No, for real, for real. You better have a better description because, again, all she saw was, oh no, this is Boaz. Let me, okay, let me paint a better picture for you. So it's the 21st century, so Boaz doesn't allow Ruth to go home on her own. He drives her home, right? So he drives her home. They get home. Naomi is peeping through the window and she's like, ah, who is this G-Wagon? Who is Boaz? This guy, blah, 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 stuff like that. So Ruth comes in. She bolts the door immediately. She's like, who is the guy? And Ruth goes, oh, it's just Boaz. Eh? Ruth immediately goes, no. He is not just Boaz. He is our king's man. 
redeemer. Oh no, Ruth, there is more to this Boaz that you encountered. There is more to this thing that you have experienced. He is not just Boaz. He is your king's man redeemer. There was more to Boaz. But Ruth couldn't see beyond that. All that Ruth could see was an employer-employee relationship. And so she just stuck to it. She said the greatest hindrance Ruth had was the goodness of Boaz that she had experienced in the past. That then defined how she constantly saw him. And many times, that's, what, that's the problem that we also have. Give me a minute to flip my page. Thank you. We've experienced something of God in the past. A dimension of God's goodness. We get stuck and we just think that that's all there is to him. So maybe for you, God has saved you. But you do not realize that he's not just savior. He's also healer and provider. How do I know? When you are praying, it's easy for you to begin to thank the Lord for saving you. Why there's sickness in your body? You will not bring it before him. You don't see him as healer. Because if you did, you would have brought it up. Amen. There is a, there's an error that many ministries make. You see it with ministries. You, I'm not bashing anybody, all right? But you hear, um, Jesus saves healing ministries. Why? That was what they experienced at one point. And so they just, they just built their ministries around all of those. And guess what? If you go to those ministries, you will get healed. You will. Because for the armor, every problem is a nail. So when they come to God, he is simply the healer. That is all they expect. That is all they get from him. Whereas he is actually more. He's also the revealer of truth. He's also the God that saves. So in those churches, you see lots of people getting healed. Probably less people getting saved. They have put God in a box. Church, don't put God in a box. There is more to him. In fact, Whatever God that you can put in a box is not the God of the universe. He destroys those boxes. Even in city church, listen, there is more to what we have experienced of God. This year has been amazing. Can I get an amen? amen. This year is probably the best year we've had in city church. But there is more to the God that we have seen. There is more to the God that we have received. I am calling upon all the units. For example, prayer unit, God bless you. We have been seeing the effects of the things you are doing. Do not stop. Do not be content. There is more of God for us to see. Next year is coming. Don't get off from those nails. Do not rinse and repeat. No. Do not be content. Ask for more. Music team, there is more to what God can do with you. You have sung beautifully, perfectly. People have probably gotten sick, have gotten healed. But I'm telling you, there is more. Even for the unit, this is probably one of the units that is least rated in this church. Bible reading unit. There is more. Listen, listen carefully. I'm going somewhere. Listen, listen. There is more to what God can do with that unit. There's a, pro- there's a mistake we all made. You see, I sent a mail this week um, to worship coordinators. And... Um, I said, I was trying to correct something. You know, in the section for the word, sometimes we say, this, we say stuff like this. We say, um, the music team is going to sing for us. Um, what can I call? Emmanuel. Emmanuel is going to do the Bible reading. And then Tom will come and preach the word. I said, the reading of the Bible is not the reading of the word. Listen carefully. There's a reason why we call that section the section for the word. Because in that section, the word is being sung to you by the music team. 
The word is being read to you by the Bible readers. And the word is being preached to you by the preachers. So whatever you expect to happen when the word of God is being preached is what you expect to happen when the word of God is being sung. <laughs> whatever you expect to happen when the word of God is being sung is what should happen when the word of God is being read to you. There is more to what we have. There is more of God for us to experience. Maybe you are just an usher. All I want to do is just tell people to sit here. It can't be that hard. They don't listen most of the time, but my gift is patience. <laughs> mm? my gift, I'm just patient. Because on a normal day, if na street of Lagos, I go come slam, you slap. Right? But there is more to that ushering that you are actually doing. With one smile, with one look, you can change a life. Do not underestimate what can happen when one smile comes under the power of the Holy Ghost. Listen, in the Bible, in the Bible, the Bible says Peter betrayed Jesus. How many times? Three times. And the Bible said a cock. What did the cock do? Crow, crude, crowd, I, I don't know. Whatever. It sounded, right? The, the cock sounded. All right. Lagos did this to me. It's not Lauren. Lagos did it to me. Okay. Okay. Right. And the Bible says something. The Bible said, and Jesus looked at him and he went to repent. That look was not a look of condemnation, it was a look of compassion, it was a look of love that led to repentance. Ushering units, people can come to church and you can just smile at them. The agape can begin to flow from inside of you to reach them. And then they will actually come and say, Come and pray for me. There is more to what I'm experiencing here. There is more of God to experience. The goodness of God, many times, is so huge. You are so comfortable camping out there. Remember Peter and John on the mountain of transfiguration? They climbed the mountain. I would say the face of Jesus was shining. And Peter said, Ah, there is face shining. Moses, Elijah, let us build three shelters. We die here. Don't let us go anywhere again. And Jesus looked at him. He said, We need to go down. Because don't get used to the glory of the transfiguration. When you've not experienced the glory of the resurrection, there is more to come. Upon this mountain, I'm exalted over one mountain. But when I resurrect and I ascend, I shall be exalted above every other mountain as the prophets have prophesied. There is more to what you are experiencing. There is more to God. There is more to God. Do not be stuck with an experience. Do not be stuck with, with a scenario. Do not rinse and repeat. City Church, I repeat. Do not rinse and repeat next year. There is more of God for us to experience. But God isn't just creator. God is a God of mercy. That was it causes the rain to fall on both the just and the unjust. Many of you have experienced God as creator. You have sowed and you have reaped bountifully. And that is great news. But those are not the only experiences that we have. People have sowed in land where there was famine like Isaac. And the Bible says that Isaac reaped hundred folds. It didn't make any sense. But so the story of sowing and reaping in good conditions is not just the story we have in the Bible. We have the story of sowing and reaping in bad conditions as well. People sowed. Isaac, 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 reaped, Isaac reaped in the land of famine. But many of us, your situations are bad. It's not because you're not working hard. It's just hard. What you need is mercy. What is mercy? Mercy, based on my definition now, all right? 
is a breaking of protocol in favor of the person that is about to receive it. Let me say that again. Mercy is a breaking of protocol in favor of the person that is about to receive it. You don't need mercy if you write your exams well. You deserve to pass. You get what I'm saying? How many of you are here, you've never written an exam that you expected to fail and you passed? You know what I'm talking about? Every time I write that, if I expect to fail, I will fail. Right? Yeah, because I know what I wrote. But I have heard stories. Oh, I've heard stories. Of people. It's not because they didn't work hard. They read. It just happened that the thing flew from their head. And they wrote what they knew. And they, see, this is zero. Mm. But result to come out is an A. That was mercy. In whatever form, a protocol was broken in favor of that person. Maybe this story is going to help you. When I was in secondary school, I had a friend. Um, she's seen my friend too today. And no matter how hard this girl read, she just won't pass. You know, you know when a hard work shames you. That you're actually passing. You're like, I don't deserve to pass it. I didn't pass. She keeps on reading. They got lesson teachers. In fact, the teacher that is about to set the exam taught her one time. She still failed. You can then say, oh, maybe she's just working hard. She's not working smart. Maybe. Maybe. All I know is that we did all we could. When SS2, we're about to get to SS3 at the time. And um, the criteria for moving to SS3 was eight credits. If you don't have eight credits, you have to repeat. I think she had six or seven. I can't, I can't really remember now. And she came to me and she said, Tom, what, what, what would I do? You know, there's a way you can know your result before they post it. Right? They'll be giving you, they should stop that. They'll be giving you mark, they just bad. <laughs> Anyways, they give you your exam shit so you know, I have calculated. man, this is Odo. <laughs> you know your fate. So she knew her fate. And she came to me and she said, Tom, what would we do? I don't know where this thing came from, but I still remember it today. I said, I said, there's such a thing as the mercy of God. The next day, we prayed about it. The next day, VP Admin came for no reason. I'm not joking, for no reason. He called HOD. They sat down together. And they were like, ah, this criteria, ah, we need to bring it down. We need to bring it down. I've never heard them do that in the issue of that school. I was there for six years. That's mercy. Listen. Mercy brought down the standard so that it would be easy for her to cross over. But I tell you a better story. Because upon the cross, mercy didn't bring down the standard. The standard remained at the top. But mercy lifted you and threw you over to the other side. Listen, let me say this. Upon the cross, the standard didn't change. Your standing did. Upon the cross, the standard of righteousness and holiness of God didn't change. But God said, Bible says, He imputed the righteousness to you. So right now, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Once again, the standard didn't change. Your standing did. Some of you, you need mercy. You need protocols to be broken on your behalf. That's what you need. So mercy does two things. Mercy either brings down the standard or brings you up. Either way, you have to get to the other side when it comes to mercy. God is a God that breaks protocol. 
And you might then be saying, Ah, Tommy, we have become that kind of a church. We're not breaking protocols now, eh? <laughs> Do you realize that your salvation is a divine breaking of protocol? You are not supposed to be here. Healing is a breaking of protocol. Because normally your body is not supposed to just reverse back. But God has the ability. Some of you need healing. What you need is mercy. We didn't just become a church that breaks protocol today. It is our standing that we will declare to you the whole counsel of God. If this thing is in the Bible, we will say it. Because we are moving on, but there is more to the scenarios we find ourselves in. Verse 22. Can you project verse 22 for me, please? Route 222. I'm just going to read from my Bible then. Um, and Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with this young woman and that people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed, verse 23, so she stayed close to the young woman of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. This is a suggestion to somebody here. This is a suggestion to somebody here. Maybe, just maybe, I know there are various reasons for this. Maybe one of the reasons why we find ourselves stuck in life is because we are constantly running from difficult situations. You see what Naomi told her? She said, stay there. See, many of you, you have jumped from pillar to post, so you've never spent enough time in any place for Boaz to even notice you. You're constantly jumping. I'm going to go, I'm going to read on. Cut yourself some slack. You just started working in that place, it's just one year. They will still notice you. Calm down. Calm down. It's just two years. Calm down. Ah, they don't respect me in this place. It's just one year. One year. They're walking in a cubicle. Who will see you? Calm down. I am simply saying that make sure the reason why you're about to leave where you found yourself is because that place is not causing you to flourish. And it's not because you're just greedy and impatient. Stay. In place of prayer, stay. Don't just pray and stand up and go. Stay there. Until God... See, there was only one person that God told in the Bible, as far as I know, that my grace is sufficient for you. Only one. Who is he? Paul. If you've not categorically heard God say concerning that situation, that my grace is sufficient for you, do not stop praying. Go back there and stay there. But there is more to the people that we encounter. There is more to the people that we encounter. There is more to the person sitting next to you. There is more to them. The Bible says they have been made in whose image? In God's image. But it has become a cliche thing, just a normal thing for us. C.S. Lewis said, my wife told me that I don't quote people in my preaching. It's not a good sign of a good preacher. So I made up my mind to input this inside. Yes, that's why it's there. I could have made my point, but it's there. Babe, this is for you, all right? Um, C.S. Lewis said, can you, can you, yeah. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. 
nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to us as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, walk with, marry, snob, and exploit. There is more to that person that is sitting next to you. There is more to that person than what is in their bank account. You see, many, I know, before you say, mm, just you, many times you look at them and be like, ah, ah, I don't want to, you know, it's only the poor that can be dehumanized. But the rich can be dehumanized. I watched a YouTube video one time. It was um, an interview between rich people and poor people, and they were talking, and then they asked the question, they said, does money come with problems? And this girl came and she said, yes, it does. I said, what, what problem are you facing? She said, said, my brother doesn't speak with me. He only calls me when he needs money. He said, I want him to know that I am more than an ATM machine. I am worth more than the value of my money. There is more to the people that we are experiencing. Value people. Love them. When last did you text your employer and say, I am so sorry. We couldn't reach the quarter for this year. I hope you are fine. You look a little bit sad. The only time they will see your text. Listen, listen. The only time they will see your text is if salary is supposed to enter in the morning and after you, they ah! Sorry, sir. I was just wondering if maybe, I don't know. I'm just saying. Maybe you should check your record. What do you think that employer is thinking? That this person is simply here for the money. They do not care about me. Ah, sir, I saw that you're going to be sad today. I'm praying for you. Full stop. The fact that it is shocking to most of us is sad, really. Why? Why can't you do it? Why? Are they not human? Do they not deserve to be loved and cared for? They have been made in the image of God. No matter what they are doing wrong, they have been made in the image of God and it is your obligation to love and care for them. Yenka Olumide loves you, all right. <laughs> Value people. First and foremost, because it is godly and right. But secondly, there's a reward for valuing people. And that reward is not just money. You see, money can only get you so far. There are other places that you need to get to. That is the only connection that will get you there. People that you have valued. And listen, connection is not always a bad thing. Let me say that again. Connection is not always a... In fact, the reason why we hate connection is because we're not the one reaping the benefits. You know what I'm talking about? It's not always a bad thing. It's not always a bad thing. Listen, human beings have more to give you than their money. They're usually connected as well. See, the ancient people understood something about sacrifices and gods. That if you want to understand the full, um, if you want to get what a god has to, the full, the full breadth of what a god has to offer you, you sacrifice to it. They were right about the principle. They were wrong about the person they were sacrificing to. Because if you want to get something from, G- from God, you come with the name of who? Jesus, based on his sacrifice. If human beings were gods, the sacrifice that they demand to give of what they have to you is value, love, and respect. Respect people. They will give of what they have. How did Joseph get to the palace? Connection. 
there was a guy that was just there. The king had a dream. He had a dream and was like, I mean, who interpret this thing? The guy said, I remember. And before you say, oh, it was probably his gifts. No, let me show you. In Genesis chapter 40, let me show you what's happening in Genesis 40. Can you project that? Genesis 14. So they were also, before we read it, all right, just a good background story. Um, they were all in the prison together. There was a baker who was the king's baker. There was a cup bearer who was the, king cup, who was the king's cup bearer. And they offended the king and the king threw them in prison. So they were in prison. They were all together lounging with Joseph, right? Not lounging. It was really bad. All right. So John 14, I mean Genesis 14, verse 6, right? 6. When Joseph came to them, this is the cup bearer and the baker, the next morning, he saw that they were dejected, verse 7. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad? If Joseph didn't ask that question, Joseph would not have interpreted that dream and that guy would not know. But what led to that reward? He valued them. These are poor people. So when I say value people for connection, I'm not just talking about the rich. I'm talking about the poor person because you don't know where your name is going to be dropped later on value people how did david get to the palace connection oh the, the king was um possessed i said where will we get someone that can play the half to sue the king someone said i know somebody valuing people can cause your name to be mentioned in places where your face has not gotten through value people But I didn't say, Tommy, this connection thing, eh? This is Lagos. I don't know people, and people don't know me. And you might be correct. But you see, something about connection is this it's not about the amount of people you know, it's about knowing the right people. And it's about the right people knowing you. And you're probably saying, Man, I've made lots of mistakes in my life. I and I've cut people off. I don't have the right people around me. And things are not going the way they are supposed to go. Naomi was in this situation. She had made a mistake. God put her in Bethlehem. She left and went to Moab. She didn't realize that there was more to Bethlehem than what she could actually see. And because of that, she lost everything. But she also devalued people. Remember when she came back? They said, they said, um, ah, Naomi is back. She said, Don't call me Naomi. Call me what? Mara. And you be like, Mara Ke. Ruth is standing right there. She didn't rate the baby. She said, she said, I came back empty. What she didn't realize was that there was more to Ruth than she wanted, than what she could see. But Ruth was exactly what she needed. You see, what Naomi needed was Ruth that was going to leave her home, a place of social, so a good social standing, financial standing, all those places, and come and join herself to her life. What Ruth needed was Ruth that was going to stick with Naomi even when she was not rated. Because Ruth could have gone like, to hell with this. I am not rated here. But no, Ruth stayed. What Naomi needed was a Ruth that was going to stay. Even in spite of her own mistakes. Even in spite of her devaluing. Even in spite of her disrespect. That was what Naomi needed. What Naomi needed 
was a route that was going to take the initiative to go outside of the camp in a place where she stood the risk of actually suffering harm so she could bring bread back to Naomi. That was what Naomi needed. That is what you need. You need a person that will never leave you. You need a person that even when you don't rate them, they will stick with you. What you need is Jesus. You see, just like Ruth, Jesus left his heavenly throne above. A place of security, a place of peace and dominion. And he came down to be joined to you. You see, just like Ruth, Jesus was not rated in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3. The Bible says they held him in low esteem. Just like Ruth, Jesus went outside of the city in a place where he risked harm. But Jesus is better than Ruth. Because when Ruth was risking harm, Jesus actually suffered harm. He died so that life can come to you. Listen carefully. You might then be saying, oh, but I am saved. I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. Listen, Jesus is the one who will never leave you, nor forsake you. Jesus is the one who even when you make mistakes, will stick with you. Jesus is the God of a first chance, a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a five hundred chance, and he will still stick with you. Jesus is ride or die. Jesus will cling to you. The Bible says nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Can it be death? No. Will it be principalities? No. Will it be your sin? No. Will it be your past? No. Will it be your present? No. Will it be your future? Nothing shall separate you from the love of God that is yours in Christ Jesus. Do you believe this? Many say, but my problem is not sin. God has done with that. I, I, I'm a Christian. I just have issues. I just have issues. I have a word for you before we pray. Just a Bible verse. Romans chapter 8 verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely give us how many things? All things. Listen carefully. The standard of righteousness is the highest bar ever. The standard of your healing is too low. God has dealt with salvation and can deal with this one too. Whatever your concern is, whatever burden you've brought to Jesus today, there is mercy here. There is help here. If you will just stay where you are and say, Father, I have nowhere else to go. Only with you. Would you rise up on your feet and let's pray together. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.